creating a podcast is still too difficult. One of the main barriers to entry is the editing process. After recording a podcast, the podcast producer needs to line up sound waves in a digital audio workstation and clip the raw audio files to remove sections that need to be removed. As someone who has edited a lot of podcasts, I know that this is difficult and tedious. One way of simplifying the editing process is to use speech-to-text to produce a transcription of an audio file and aligning the text output with the audio. After that alignment, you have a mapping between the text and the audio so that you can delete text and have the corresponding audio be deleted as well. And this gives you a word processor-like experience for editing audio. Speechboard is a project by Craig Cannon and Ramon Recuero Moreno. Speechboard is an easy way to edit podcasts by deleting transcribed words that are mapped to an audio interview. In this episode, Craig, Ramon, and I discuss how Speechboard is built and why this product hasn't existed until recently, despite the fact that podcasters would have wanted this many years ago. We also discuss the podcast world, which Craig is deeply familiar with as the host of Y Combinators podcast. The YC podcast is one of my favorite shows, and if you like SE Daily, you will probably like the YC podcast, so check it out. Craig Cannon and Ramon Recuero Moreno are the creators of Speechboard. Guys, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you. How's it going? It's going well. It's 2017. I want to start by talking about the state of the podcasting market and what's changing and what's staying the same, what has stayed the same for the last decade. Why don't we start with you, Craig? What's going on in the podcasting market? Hmm. Well, there are obviously more podcasts than ever. And what's particularly cool to me is seeing how many different kinds of podcasts are finding markets and really taking off. Before it started out, it was just kind of like shows like Rogan, where it was just like really long form interview stuff. And uh, then once Serial happened, it's really opened the doors for for really cool stuff to come out. Mm. I'm excited about that. Ramon? Yeah, it's definitely a growing market. We found an opportunity because we see that there are a lot of software tools out there for that help you how to host a podcast, how to upload it, how to publish it. But there is not so much about how to edit it and how to edit it in mm. an easy way. Mm. What does a podcast editor have to do? Well, everyone's got their own recipe. So I'd actually be really curious to like flip this and do a user interview for a second. But mm. with the... I'll just go through the workflow of the YC podcast, and maybe that'll be a helpful example for folks. Sure. So I record through a Mix Pre 6. So we just have like a bunch of XLR mics, plug them in. And I also record video. So the workflow is basically like people come in, we set everything up, we hang out for like an hour, and then I move it all into Adobe Premiere. And so I actually edit video. And many people don't edit their podcasts at all. But if you're going to edit and you're going to edit like me, I edit video and then I just export the audio file and then past that, it's like, you know, you upload to your podcast host and you deal with like if you want to transcribe and then you like do a YouTube video. It's kind of insane, but that's our workflow. Hmm. Yeah. How does it work uh, for you guys? Well, so I actually outsource it to a company called We Edit Podcasts and I'll give a plug for We Edit because they've been awesome for us. Basically, the workflow with them is I record the audio in Zencaster. That's the tool that we're 
we're recording on right now, which is a, a VoIP tool. I've done an interview with the the founder of that. So it's a su- surprisingly difficult tool to build this podcast VoIP recording system. In any case, it gives you the end result, which is a two audio files, one for the guest and one for the host, assuming you're doing a two-person audio recording. And so you have these two audio files, and then I also record a backup on my client side, and I'm having you guys record a client-side recording right now. And I send all those audio files along with music and ads and a preamble all to these editors called We Edit Podcasts, and they do everything for me because I've given them a recipe. But I also have to give them notes about like what to change, you know, what to edit, and uh, you know, it's thirty-five per episode and so like not i think i think that's the deal we have or 30 dollars something like that hmm. and you know most podcasters are hobby podcasters and they only do one show a week or one show a month so they don't have this like daily cadence the main reason we outsource is because it's this is my bread and butter most people are not going to outsource it and that's why you guys built speechboard this is basically a tool to help people edit their own podcasts, if I understand correctly. Yeah, man, that's exactly what it is. So the genesis was kind of me, before I edited a podcast with video accompanying it, I was editing a podcast with just audio. And man, I was just like spending all these days and nights looking at Adobe Audition, like at a waveform, thinking this is the stupidest thing. Like, mm. I, I'm not a computer, like I can't read a waveform. <laughs> and so, you know, you're just looking at this thing thinking there, there's got to be a better way. And uh, simultaneously, all of these cloud machine learning APIs were coming out. So basically automatic speech recognition. So I started testing mm. them out and uh, put together kind of like a junky prototype and figured there's probably a way to match an automatic transcript to an audio file and then do all the manipulation through the transcript. So right now, Ramon and I built this thing where you basically upload your audio and you get a transcript back um, within like 20 or 30 seconds. And then you can delete whatever you want and the corresponding part in the audio is cut out or labeled. And in the labeled case, you can import it to your editor and work from there. Mm -hmm. Right. So... I record a podcast, let's say it's just me and another person talking, and we record it on the same audio file, and so this is what a lot of hobby podcasters end up with, is just a single audio file of two people talking, and it's a synced audio file, so it's not like you have you know disjoint time series, it's like a parallel time series where both people are just talking on the same audio file, and you run that single audio file through a system that does speech to text so you so now you have a speech audio file that can run parallel to the text transcript and so that you have the text synced up with the audio file and that way you can edit the text and the changes to the text editing will be reflected in the audio file. So if I write, or let's say I record a very short podcast where I just say, hello, my name is Jeff, growl, and then <laughs> it'll it'll transcribe. <laughs> I was just thinking of something to edit out, but was, and then it would transcribe that, and then I could see in the text the growl thing <laughs> and just remove that i would remove that text and it would remove that in the corresponding audio file so i think there's a whole lot interesting going on there and i think the place to start is the speech to text and this is something that's this pretty interesting is that these machine learning apis and the cloud providers are getting really good and they're also getting cheaper so you send this audio file that is a conversation to the cloud and they send you back a text file 
who do you use for that? Yeah, there are basically a bunch of different options. Even yesterday, Amazon announced their new system. But so far, one of the best options we found is IBM. They have a really comprehensive speech-to-text option. They even separate different speakers on the same track, so you can know, okay, from this second to this second, Craig was talking, then, then it was Jeff, then it was Ramon, and then you can split it even in the UI later for us, so you can edit different different parts of the of the podcast really naturally and then from here there are a lot of potential ways this can even improve further like for example deleting all automatically all the all the silences or all the arms or also cleaning the cleaning the background noise and also doing other things like equalizing the the volume. Yeah. And then so the, the IBM API has all that. So that's stuff we're going to do. The IBM mm-hmm. API basically takes, and they all work the same way for the most part. They'll take a audio file in like various formats and they'll give you back a transcript with varying degrees of time code and varying degrees of like speaker accuracy. But the thing that matters most to us is the fidelity of the transcript in relation to the time code. Everything else is kind of like gravy. Because, like, getting the transcript, like, perfect is actually not the most important part. Like, timing the words is the most important part for us. Hmm. Explain yeah. that in more detail. Yeah, sure. So, you know, if you're, like, bad podcast is going to start out, hi, my name is Jeff. Grar. Getting the grar in the correct time. Like, essentially at, you know, two seconds, two and a half seconds, and it ends at three and a half seconds. If we don't know that accurately, the editing gets messed up. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we basically have like mashed a bunch of APIs to kind of like course correct and anticipate what's going to be broken to more effectively plan, like account for that. What are some of those other APIs? So we were using the Aeneas library, but we've hmm. also tried out uh, Google. We're definitely going to try out Amazon. There's a YC company, DeepGram, that also does it. Hmm. And they're all pretty much like the same price uh it's sort of whatever works in your workflow yeah there are even also some open source projects on python that are promising yeah that we we're also gonna test and everything on the audio side that ramon said that's that's all stuff that kind of we're working on because like you said there are all these people getting into podcasting and like to be honest man it's just way too complicated and it you don't need to know what all these like technical terms are so the easier we can just be like all right i need to remove the air conditioner hum all right, I need to remove mm-hmm. like some random echo. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of stuff that we'll do. Yeah. So this chain of different APIs that you're stitching together, can you describe that pipeline in a little more detail? Yep. I mean, first, obviously, we need to get the file that the user uploads through the UI. Then we'll upload that to the cloud. That can be something like S3. Then we, we will submit that file to to the speech-to-text system, like, for example, IBM. Then we will get back, like, the, the transcript that then we match with the, with the times that we have from the source audio file. And then on the UI, we, we present in the end, like, three output files. That is the, the edited audio, then the, the labels, and the... What's the what was the uh, the source audio with the, metadata. with the so, metadata? So one thing that... Um, we kind of plan for in the product is that some people are going to be interested in downloading the edited file, but the majority of our users, and we actually have found this true because we're, we're doing surveys now, 
the majority of the people using our product actually export from SpeechWord into another editor. So they want to fine tune it. So right now we only support two. We support Audacity and Audition. The reason we have all those files is uh, they handle imported metadata in different ways. So with like Audacity, you need to import a text label file, whereas with Audition, you can import the metadata within the uh, like the WAV file. Mm-hmm. And so that's all stuff we do just in Python, and then we pass it back to the user. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're saying. If you're going to edit a podcast, you're probably going to drag it into Audition or or Audacity, one of these one of these other audio editing tools. And you're saying that this would be a workflow where a podcaster can first put the podcast into Speechboard, do some easy editing in, do some easy labeling in Speechboard, where they label the the sections of text where the audio is going to need to be manipulated. And then the audio will correspond, assuming you get the timestamps right, the audio will be correspondingly labeled once you drag it into Audacity or Audition or ostensibly whatever other uh, audio editing tool that you have so that when you do your manual audio editing, you'll have one. That's basically, like you said, the, the biggest time sink is is like clicking on these audio waveforms and listening to the annoying repetition of just errors and, and listening. You know, it, this is this is one of the problematic things about podcasting is like you record an hour-long podcast that might take you three or four hours to edit because you're going back through different sections repeatedly trying to figure out the exact timestamp to cut yeah man that's exactly it especially if you're doing any kind of you know storytelling because for a podcast like yours or a podcast like the yc podcast we don't have to do so much editing but if you're going to make serial and you have like 20 hours of tape for a 20 minute episode uh, finding like the little needle in the haystack is also mm. incredibly difficult. So just the the indexing is helpful there as well. And so we're going to allow you to basically like download your, your transcript and handle all that. But yeah, like you were saying, like the the reason why Speechboard saves time and the reason why a lot of people want it is that it saves you a lot of time early on. Whereas what we don't really offer yet is like the super fine tuned audio processing. And a lot of the editing software does that really well. So we're not like quite tackling that right now. We're, we're yeah. handling earlier, earlier on. Yeah, we are focusing on the 80% and easy of use. Yeah. Like the, the UI we think is the key part, like using text hmm. and some kind of real fancy UI. And like a, a lot yeah. of people just, you know, like my mom a couple years ago, I was doing a podcast with my buddy before called uh, Assault of the Earth. And we just interviewed kind of like funny people who worked for themselves. And at the time, my mom was getting super into podcasting so much so that she went and like bought a bunch of equipment. She bought a oh. new computer, all this stuff. And I was getting her set up when I was home for Christmas. And then we opened up GarageBand and she's like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, well, you just plug it in and you da, 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 da. And she's like, I don't know about this. And so there are a lot of people out there that just want to like make the podcast in a really easy way. And we're, we're trying to help them out. It can mm-hmm. definitely be overwhelming for the hobbyist. So we are trying to bridge that gap. Yeah. So the, you know, the biggest uh, success in the podcast tooling space that I know of in the last, man, maybe even five years is, as far as I know, Zencaster. This this thing that we're using right now. I don't, have you guys seen Zencaster before, or is this your first introduction to it? I've seen it. Yep. Why do you think that is? Why is there not more 
tooling in the podcast space or are there i guess there's there are other things there's some yc companies that have built some tools that make it easier to do podcasts like i think backtracks uh looks like a, a really good company i don't use them personally but it looks like a very solid product mm-hmm. what are the important companies in the podcasting space yeah, I mean, I think the important companies and the innovative companies might be in two separate buckets at this point. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, historically, Libsyn was the biggest host. Yes. And now it's being, uh, it's kind of fragmented. You see, you're, we're seeing tons of hosts apply to YC. And Backtracks, we use, I really like their player. Like, Cortland was using it at Indie Hackers. Mm-hmm. And so when, um, when the Backtracks guys were emailing me, I was checking out Cortland's site. And I was like, oh, this is cool. They do transcription for us, which we pay them for, and it allows us to link up the time to the episode file. In other words, like, you know, when you're on YouTube and you can do like at 20 minutes and 12 seconds and you can click on that and it will like basically deep link you to the video at that time. Backtracks allows you to do that. So I thought that was cool. Sorry, say that again. So podcasting is really tricky, right? Because like it's poorly indexed and so search engines don't really like it, but it's also really hard to share an episode at a particular time and like link someone to that. So like if say, you know, into this episode, Ramon said something really smart, like 10 minutes in and you wanted (laughs) to share that, who knows, maybe it could happen (laughs) if we cross our fingers and just like let him talk long enough. Um, But like, in other words, you can like link to that 10 minutes rather than, Hey, check out this episode with Ramon. You know what I mean? Yes. So that was cool. But yeah, in terms of like why there aren't more tools, I think it's just there haven't been enough people paying a lot of money for it. I don't know how much Zencaster costs. Like we do all of our podcasts in person, but like, what do you guys pay for this every month? This is twenty dollars a month, and I, I mean, I'm a power user of it, so maybe that's yeah. why they have a hobby plan too. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I mean, it's it's been a lot of just really simple, out of the box stuff that people have used. Right? They get like a Blue Yeti mic, and then they right. edit in GarageBand or Audacity, and you're pretty much good. I really do fall into the school of uh, great content will do well if you do it for long enough. It's not about your fancy mic. It's not about your fancy editor or your camera or whatever. But that being said, like it's, you know, most podcasts die before they get discovered. So, well, and I think you're never going to lose audience members for having better audio quality. I've been listening to James Altucher's show for like three or four years, and he used to be doing these horrible audio quality Skype (laughs) interviews, and he'd be interviewing Mark Cuban, and it's over Skype, and the audio quality is horrible, and it just blinks in and out, And but you're still listening because it's Mark Cuban, and James Altucher's a pretty good interviewer, so, but then... You know, even despite his giant audience, he said that recently he started doing all of his interviews in person and his audience like doubled or quadrupled or something because of it's solving the last 20% of the audio quality gave him like 2x or 4x the audience. So that it was, I don't know, it kind of made me think like, man, maybe I should have my own studio. Maybe it's worth the investment. <laughs> Oof, I don't know. I mean, one thing that we do is video because mm. YouTube. I feel really strongly about it. I'm super into it. And uh, I think a lot of podcasters miss out on a really easy opportunity for discovery. And I I think Tim Ferriss basically just uploads a still and then accompanying audio with it. But we actually record video. And that's been our our kind of secret weapon for growing the YC podcast. Interesting. Yeah. What kind of listenership do you see on YouTube relative to... The well, I guess you since you have video too, it's a little bit different. But what what size of audience do you see relative to 
uh, the podcast mm-hmm. listenership? It depends a lot on the person, but it's a fraction of our audio downloads. However, one thing that's really cool is we'll upload the full length um, video and audio, and then I'll also cut up an hour interview into like five mini things, basically like really well SEO targeted uh, YouTube titles. Hmm. And so people are looking for like how Elon Musk spends his time, like that will get like a million views or something. Uh, Whereas like the whole Elon Musk interview might get less than that Hmm. because YouTube's attention span is like, you know, five minutes. Whereas podcasters... Also, podcast analytics are so bad that you have like you have no idea if people listen to the whole thing. Let's talk about that. When you talk to the Backtracks people, for example, what do they say about podcast analytics? I should ask you more directly, what is wrong with podcast analytics? <laughs> well, basically everything. So like you're the only thing most people don't really understand the the flow of how podcasts are made and downloaded. So we record this podcast, you generate a, an audio, like an MP3, you upload that to a host. So it's not like you upload a song to iTunes that you sell, you upload it to a host and then iTunes is a library of all of this stuff. And similarly with like Stitcher and like whatever, all the other stuff. And so for the most part, podcast analytics are like page views on the internet. That's like basically all you're getting. You're like, okay, this episode was downloaded 100,000 times. Awesome. Like you have no idea how long people listened. You don't really get that much info on like where they are, what they're using. And uh, it's, it's early days because it's so fragmented between all these apps and Apple, which is the main, I think Apple's like 60% of the market. Yeah. They mentioned that they're releasing better analytics, but those aren't out yet. Or at least I haven't seen them. Do we have any idea what those analytics are going to hold? I haven't heard much of you. Yeah, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine retention. Like that seems to be like number one. Because there's going to be, I, there's no way there's not going to be a shakedown in the podcast industry around uh, ad sales. Because, you know, we could say like, oh, why, the YC podcasts, you know, like make up some number. So right. we're doing like 50 to 100,000 downloads per episode. Who knows how many people just subscribed because they saw yeah. YC and have never really listened to an episode. Yeah. It, but then on the flip side, it's also going to open up the market for all these advertisers who want that degree of like granularity that they can get on right. Facebook. Yeah, so. exactly. Because you can know for every podcast, every episode, which part in which part you actually lost all the yes. people. Then also for adver- advertisers, that would be also pretty useful because which are the most popular parts of this episode. And then you can put your ads there. Yes. Yes, that's definitely that's definitely true. Uh, and the other thing I, I've heard about analytics, actually, well, we did a, a, an A-B test where we tested the analytics that Libsyn was giving us versus the analytics that we would get from Blueberry. Blueberry is another analytics provider. And um, they were off by like 20 or 25% or right. something like that. Like, what? What's going on there? <laughs> exactly, so, man. Yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of a mess. Yeah, and it, what's strange is that Libsyn, who we use for as the CDN and hosting provider for the podcast, it's strange because they have gotten popular kind of just as a matter of legacy. Like, they were the podcast hosting and analytics provider in the early days, and they've just been around for such a long time that people sort of trust them, but also people don't really know what they're doing for analytics. So, yeah, kind of a weird market how that's evolved. Yeah, I mean, where, where do you think that's going? Like, 
do you anticipate it will be sort of like WordPress hosting where people, it's just completely fragmented or do you think someone will win in the long run? I don't know. I think it'll be like, it's like the website. I think one of the reasons you see so many hosts is because is podcast hosts is because it's like the website builder market. It's, you know, you see Weebly and Squarespace and WordPress and Wix, and there's like probably 10 more that I'm forgetting. And I think podcasts are just like that because there's not really a reason for there to be a network effect. Like if Joe Rogan's podcast is hosted on Libsyn, uh, there's not that's not really a reason for me to host on Libsyn. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't go host on Simplecast. So it doesn't really seem like a winner-take-all market. I know people are trying to do the kinds of like podcast social network stuff, but I just I don't really see it. Yeah, I mean, I think unless Apple goes for it, it's going to be really tough for someone to take the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And even if Apple did it, I don't know if they would win. Yeah. They're like, their cloud software is not so good, usually. <laughs> yeah, Historically. There is, no, there, is, yeah. Yeah, there is no network effect for any of these platforms to, yeah. to kind of keep the community there, yeah. at least not for now. It's not like Medium. By the same token, it's so interesting how... So the people who do listen to podcasts are addicted to them and they spend so much time on them. So it's it is strange how little advertising budget goes into podcasting when it's this you know, you've got this power listener base with a lot of money to spend. I mean, do you think that the the podcast advertising budgets are going to increase over time? I mean, they have to, right? Like I heard a stat the other day that the audiobook market is something like 3.2 billion. And the total podcast market advertising dollars, which is basically the whole market, is $250 million annual. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's nothing. It's tiny. And you're like, it, this has to increase some way. I think all that stuff will help. But the use case is tricky, right? Because you're like, say you're Bluetooth connected to your car. How are you going to interact with an ad at that point? Like, it's much more like traditional, like, impression-based rather than really actionable. And so much of the market has gone to like Facebook ads where you can get the conversion right there. And I don't know if podcast listening will ever have that degree of conversion. Hmm. Right. Measurable conversion. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, you could link it, right? Like you could imagine an interface on your phone where you're like, okay, click through, you know, pick the pod, click through the stamps.com ad and uh, you'll get like 10% off. And I'd be like, "Eh, whatever. I mean, it's in large part, the advertising stuff has led me to create the YC podcast form factor. Hmm. Like I do an intro for like 20 seconds and then the episode starts. Whereas every other podcast I listen to, I press play in the app. And then my thumb is hovering over the next 30 second button. <laughs> so like Rogan does like eight or nine minutes. Right. But then he plays yeah. that song and I just click, 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 click until I hear the song and then I go. And so like I listen to podcasts all day long and I don't like, yeah, I know the companies that advertise because I get tricked into listening to them sometimes. But yeah, I don't really pay attention. And yet the advertisers are perfectly happy to pay Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss 20K or 25K an ad, something insane like that. Wow. Well, Rogan gets like, what, 30 million a month? Something like that? 30 million a month? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. I mean, just check out his YouTube channel, too. Hmm. It's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think podcasting is a durable medium? Is it a medium that's going to last, or do you think it's a fad? I mean, I feel pretty strongly that it's going to last. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I also think it needs to mature. I mean, podcasts have only been around for a few years. You know, WordPress or blogging on the internet has been around for double or triple that 
Yeah. So, but that's not true. Podcasts have been around for like a decade. <laughs> I mean, they've been yeah. popular. They've been super popular. popular. Yeah, that's true. And then like two or three renaissances of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been listening since I yeah I got my first iPod when you had to you know transferring the files yourself. I think we're seeing like crazy adoption of all of these like home speakers through the uh, like you know pick your Amazon Alexa, the Apple thing, whatever. And the more people that just realize that they can easily get like custom, like their favorite content all the time, the more the market's going to grow, especially when you see like it's going to build out in other languages. Right now, it's just dominated by English content. Mm. You could like that will expand. So there'll be like, you know, a Rogan for, you know, Spanish or whatever. (laughs) All that stuff will exist. And I, the thing that is actually like more scary to me is like how much time I already realize I'm letting my brain be controlled by podcasters. Ooh. Like, like Joe Rogan is like, it's basically like my voice talking to me, Ooh. you know, for like 10 hours a week. And I've actually pulled back a little bit for that reason. Really? Tell me more about that. Uh, well, it first started when I was listening to podcasts at 2x speed and I listened to an episode <laughs> that I recorded with someone and I'm like, dude, slow down. And so I, I slowed back down to one X and then I just had this moment not long after where I'm like, this is controlling my thoughts and I'm not having a moment of quiet to reflect. And, uh, so I've stopped, you know, I I mean, I still listen like almost all the time. Like I always have headphones around my shoulders whatever, but, uh, yeah, I listen a lot. Yeah, so me since I started software engineering daily, like it's it's such a weird business because most of my time is spent alone in my apartment. Like there will right. be <laughs> many days when I am just alone in my apartment and throughout the day either, you know, I go for a run or I'm cooking something and I listen to like 3 to 5 hours of podcast per day and I don't know, it doesn't feel like normal human interaction, but yeah, it's it's very strange. I, I'm I'm in with you. Like there are weeks where I have like nine hours of Joe Rogan going through my ears, and I feel it's the whole asymmetric intimacy thing. I feel like I am talking to Joe Rogan, but I'm not talking to him. Like I'm not <laughs> having a conversation with him. So there's, I'm sure it does shape your brain in weird ways. Like so so has have you changed your 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 habits where there are just like gaps of time where you do not have audio being piped into your ears? Absolutely. Yeah. And I've Mm. also just shifted how I think about it. Like I've stopped trying to tell myself that when I'm listening to a like big quotes, educational podcast that I'm learning something Mm. like I used to pretend that I was like this like constant learner, you know, all day I'm listening to these podcasts. You're like, dude, this is just entertainment. And it's just like taking you from one place to the next. So I've I've kind of slowed (laughs) down with that. You know, like I literally have a jam box in my shower and I just listen to podcasts when I'm showering and like I've had to tone that down. But uh, yeah. yeah, for me, it's a similar thing. Like I think we tend to listen to podcasts that confirm our beliefs. So there is a lot of confirmation bias. Right. So it's easy to get stuck into this echo chamber. And then, yes, you don't seek new podcasts or material that you are that goes against your views. I think that's a really interesting point and and maybe the one thing that will ultimately limit the podcast space. Like you can only consume so many hour long interviews a week and I already feel like I'm sort of at the threshold. And I think that's to the detriment of at least me because like, you know, I've just fallen in in a lot of these podcasts that I've fallen into are just hosted by dudes and it's just because they started early. Hmm. But there's so many great podcasts hosted by ladies 
And but I'm like, oh man, I need to like be inbox one, zero with Rogan, and like that takes up most of the week. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Okay, so that's talking about the uh, consumption side of podcasts. But what about the production side of podcasts? So I look at podcasting; it's gotten easier, but it's still harder than something like blogging there are still more bloggers than podcasters do you think it will ever be as widespread as blogging i think that's the maybe that's the the vision of that company anchor anchor does that short form audio stuff Uh, what do you think about blogging versus podcasting yeah i i tend to believe that it won't happen so i think a better comparison might be youtube and video is just so compelling to people you know like anyone could be interested even if it's a really low quality cell phone video you know how many times have you been out to dinner with people and they're showing you this little video on their phone Mm. like if my friend was like oh listen to this podcast i recorded on the way here i'd be like dude put your phone away like i have no interest in this thing it's really hard to make a good podcast and i think that it's the more tools we have the better because more people will get in and they'll keep doing it iTunes is now just like a graveyard of dead podcasts. And that's such a bummer because there are so many old good ones. But yeah, I, I don't think it's ever going to be as like as easy as blogging, even if you're doing, you know, crazy liar bird integration to just hmm. read your posts out loud. Yeah. Another micro trend that I think is going to hurt podcasts long term is, is probably the attention span is decreasing quite a bit right. in general. So people, they cannot even watch movies anymore. That's why we are... We look for TV shows, quick TV shows, 20 minutes. That's it. The same with YouTube. And Snapchat is the, is yeah. the clear example of how to show like 10 seconds. Yeah. I saw someone's tweet the other day, which made me laugh, uh, about bragging that they could sit and watch an entire movie without looking at their phone. Like that's their like, commitment <laughs> to focus. <laughs> yep. Huh. But, but yeah, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts? Like you're probably deeper in this than we even are because you're doing podcasts every day. Mm. Yeah, so I'm pretty biased because I, because I'm doing it so much. So it's gotten so easy for me. Like it's cert- podcasting is certainly easier than blogging for me at this point. But part of that is because it's the interview format. And when you're interviewing somebody, the preparation for an interview. So like as you were alluding to before the show, Craig, uh, to do a good interview, you have to prepare in, in, in many contexts. I mean, maybe Joe Rogan doesn't prepare as much, but for most people, especially if you're doing a, a technical show, you need to prepare beforehand. And But even then, the preparation process is easier than writing a blog post. Writing a good blog post is actually really hard. You have to have a, a lot of economy of speech, but doing a podcast, you I mean, you do have to have economy of speech, which I'm not exhibiting in this episode, but you have to think of the right questions to ask people in advance. But that's still easier than writing out the questions and the answers, which happens in blogging. If you're interviewing somebody, it's like you just have to ask the right questions, which is hard, but at least the other per- the person on the other side of the table has the right answers. And so and there's so many smart people to be interviewed, right? Like that and that's the huge upside of like people you know if you're looking to like 
have a side project, but you don't know what side project to start, podcasting is awesome because, especially for a young person who doesn't have a great network, they can having a podcast gives you a license to email anybody and just say, hey, I want to interview you. I want to put you on the air and talk to you. And like, think of all the smart people who are not being interviewed on podcasts. There's probably hundreds and thousands of professors and journalists and just people who don't get the light shown on them. Well, so yeah, that's that is precisely the angle I went for with my previous podcast. But the, the thing we found difficult when we were interviewing these small business owners is that they had no distribution and no name recognition. <laughs> and so you're like, man, now I see why everyone interviews the same people. Mm. And it, you know, that's not to say that you can't have an incredibly successful podcast starting out interviewing people that are just really interesting. But as a podcaster, like discovery is a real problem. And, you know, we're you know, at the, the YC podcast, like it's doing great, but man, like we still have the same struggles that everyone else does when it comes to discovery. And so like that, that is one of the things where like, I know so many, I used to work at the onion. So I have all these like comedy friends and they all have started podcasts and almost all of them are dead. And so there's like, yeah, a, to a certain extent you can make it easier to make, but at the end of the day, like the production, like people want to make these things and have figured out ways to make these things. But getting them discovered and getting more people to listen to them and engage with them has been really difficult. Yeah. Discovery is a global problem. Um, it's not only podcast because being a podcast, you're also competing with other, other kinds of entertainment. And the iTunes store in general has huge discovery problem for games, for podcasts, for TV <laughs> shows, for everything. <laughs> You got you got to wonder is it a problem or is it I mean maybe it's a good thing maybe the way that like the strange and fragmented and broken podcast marketplace has led to a really weird medium it's really created this strange like creator listener dynamic uh, even just the fact that you subscribe to a feed creates this weird mechanism where you like now it, it's like this inbox of episodes Whereas if you go to YouTube, it's much more about like using the right rail to discover other kinds of content. Yeah. And, and like that design choice, which is definitely a choice at some point, like probably implicitly just by Apple being like, I don't know, we're just going to create feeds and people will subscribe. That alone has created this dynamic where like, I don't know, like once you hook someone, that's why people are always like, rate our show, subscribe to our podcast. Right. Because once you get someone, it's super, super valuable. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is a good thing. Does that rating yeah. actually do anything? I that's that is one thing I've never done. I've never asked people to rate the show. I don't think, unless I'm forgetting some instances when I did. Yeah, I, if only I knew the iTunes algorithm, and I would be all over it. Like I can't, you know, like for example, like YC did a podcast. Like Aaron Harris did a podcast called Startup School Radio, which is great. Great show. I loved it. Yeah, man, and it it's still like ranked higher than uh, the YC podcast right now. If you go to the tech category and iTunes. That being said, our podcast has already done like way more downloads than that one. And so you're like, okay, how is this working? Hmm. Like <laughs> in what world can you do like multiple times more downloads and not rank higher? So I have no idea. And sorry, does he have more reviews on that show? I think he has more reviews. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So there you go. Uh, that answers the yeah, <laughs> yeah. partially at least. Yeah. It's I guess it's what iTunes wants, right? Like they want content too. You, because you, that's how they probably tag the episodes and like f- like figure out search, you know. So if you have like a hundred thousand reviews for you know whatever Tim Ferriss show, mm-hmm. then it, it wants to stay on top. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So are you guys turning Speechboard into a business? Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> it, it's either, you know, we're, we're working on like a, a much better beta right now. Uh, so we'll probably like start giving that out to friends in, you know, the next month or so. And we'll launch, whoops, sorry, I'm just going to get my computer. So we'll give that out to friends in the next month or so. And then we'll probably launch in very early January. We'll be charging for sure. Cool. Yeah, maybe, I don't know if it'd be useful. Maybe maybe you guys should get in touch with um, this We edit. Like, it might be interesting if you could get, like, one of these companies that does tons and tons and tons of editing. So, like, We Edit Podcast, for example, this company that I use, they are, like, a subcontract. They subcontract out to people that they probably find on Fiverr or whatever. Like, they test, give them a test, and then, it can, you know, can you edit a podcast? And then they outsource the editing to, to people in Eastern Europe or in Africa or whatever. But maybe, I mean, it could be cool if you could get one of these, you know, power editing companies to use that product. Uh, could be a good customer. Yeah, man, definitely. <laughs> if you want to make an intro, that's great. Yeah. You know, right now, we, we have a couple... I mean, it's, it's more like one person right now that's interested on like a larger scale, like enterprise contracts. Uh-huh. And then we have a lot of people who are kind of like in that prosumer category where they're like, we'll give you, you know, like 10, 20, 30 bucks a month. And we'll just like, you know, bang out these podcasts and we'll go from there. But who knows? Like Ramon and I are like totally open to whatever this turns into right yeah. now. It's just like the launch went well. People are excited. People have signed up to our mailing list. Like they're answering all these questions we have for them. And we're just kind of going to let the market take the product out of us. Yeah. And just, you know, to, to quote Mark Andreessen, let it grow organically. We're not going to force it. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. are a few other companies. At l- Actually, I think there's like three or four other companies that are doing something really similar to what Speechboard mm-hmm. is doing. So when you look at those other companies, do you see flaws in their product or do you just see a, a wider market? What do, you, what do you think about those? I think... Everyone simultaneously was like, oh, man, this automatic speech recognition stuff could be used for other Mm -hmm. things. And, you know, if you look at the tool space, look at audio editing, look at video editing, there's room for a lot of people. I think we probably have a different thesis than some of the other ones that are like going, they're going a little bit harder for like full fledged editing at this point. And some are doing like desktop apps and there's all that kind of stuff going on. Whereas we're more focused on like, hey, listen, we're going to make this super easy and we're going to do like the the 80% of the work with like 20% of the pay, mm-hmm. right? So we'll do like, you know, takeouts, white noise, like all that kind of stuff. And that's going to be our angle. Uh, you know, we're looking at video too. We're super excited about video. And that might be our like unique angle. But to be honest, like, yeah, I, I haven't used all the other products. Like a lot of them are just in beta. Yeah. Uh, there's there's nothing out right now that's like, oh, this is the default. Like we we sort of made it first. But I have no doubt there'll be competition. And I don't, I don't know. You know no, what you I'm could not really also, worried. What you could also do is, especially if you're not trying to boil the ocean, you could try to sell to podcast hosts and give them some sort of like iframe to integrate into the, the podcast host. So that was actually the first like um, enterprise type client uh, does a lot of basically narration. So they have all these voice actors and they want like an embedded thing that exists on their like. Oh, uh, wow. It's sort of, like imagine like an Upwork type thing where you have all these people doing doing work for you. So something that they could provide to their um, their users wow. on the uh, on the worker side. Wow. Yeah, that's perfect. So, I mean, 
actually, yeah, thinking about the other opportunities for transcript. I mean, we've been talking about this in the context of podcasts, but this is actually just generally applicable to transcription. Maybe you could get into the, uh, um, what's the, the legal transcriber type of business? Like maybe there's something there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And even for churches as well, sermons. That yeah, that was that a is... total surprise. We got a, a couple of people emailing us saying, and I, I didn't know this, a lot of big churches transcribe and edit their sermons and release them out to like, you huh. know, what like the people who attend a church. I don't know what the word is for that. That was the thing where I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. And it's even easier for us because it's one speaker. One yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, there you see people trying to get like a meeting room transcription and like <laughs> okay. all kinds of stuff like that. And those are going to be great. Those are going to exist. But we're, we're kind of focused on this like media creator space. Yeah. But do transcriptions everywhere. Like YouTube does it automatically for you now. Yeah, I mean, conferences as well can be. Yes. I mean, there are many opportunities, but we're going to focus, as Quick said, on the casual side. First, getting you with 20% of the work, 80% of the... Totally. And, and and we're also not really interested in, like, competing on price. Like, you know, if Amazon released something, you know, like Speechboard 2.0, <laughs> like, and, and raced us to the bottom, like, that's not really what we're going for. We're going for, like, better customer service more thoughtful design in terms of like a very specific kind of user. And, you know, if some people are like crazy professional or crazy amateur and they come to us and like, oh man, this is like too simple or too complicated or whatever. Like, that's great, man. There are lots of other things out there for you. Go for it. Yeah. And that's it. Like we say here at YC, uh, really rarely companies are killed by competitors. It's usually by suicide or by (laughs) lack of market. That's right. Absolutely right. Hey, Ramon. Don't kill me. <laughs> hey, Ramon, when you look at these speech off-the-shelf speech-to-text technologies, I see these as an example of the APIs that, like, so the cloud service providers, you know, like the Azure, AWS, Google, early yeah. on they looked like commodities. And it's like, okay, Google Cloud is the same thing as AWS. It's just slightly different pricing. They have got some blob storage, some processing, some database stuff. It's all the same. But things are moving up market. Like you see AWS releasing higher level stuff like augmented reality platforms for people to build on. And I think of speech to text as an example of the moving of the up market. It's like a very high level API. So yeah. What are your thoughts on those higher level APIs? What are the other ones that you're excited about for people that, you know, I mean, you're using this off the shelf API yeah. to build a full fledged product. What are the other high level APIs that you're excited about? Yeah, I mean, these this companies, you know, they build amazing infrastructure. So it's only natural that then they are going to try to utilize it for verticals like a speech to text. Another one that is a computer vision. They are doing a bunch of things with computer vision. So that's also super exciting. And then maybe you could be able to tag videos the same way you tag test or pictures. Yeah. I mean, and then like Ramon's like a resident YC crypto person. And there's probably a ton of stuff on the crypto side hmm. where you're like, listen, you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Like you, with crypto, there's like so much money involved too. Yeah. Even matters. mining. I mean, these companies could offer like dedicated mining pools as well too. Yeah. Totally. Okay, interesting. Let's got a little more time, and I just want to ask Craig a little bit about your experience interviewing and doing the YC podcast. What do you think makes a good podcast interviewer? Hmm. You have to be able to listen well, 
and build from what someone's saying rather than where you want to take the interview. Mm. There's like a second level skill of doing both at the same time. Another big thing that people miss out on is recognizing that you have to control the energy in the room. Like this is why I really like the in-person interviews, but you, you can get it on Skype too. But as the host, you can't just be like, oh, I'm interviewing, you know, Ramon. Ramon Ramon's a smart guy. We had a beer before. He's nice. Like, this should be fine. <laughs> Wrong. That is not true. Like, you have to show up and like, you're, you're a cool guy, whatever. But, uh, but you got to show up and be like, man, I'm so excited for this podcast. Let's go. Let's do this. And then you do the research about someone and you don't ask them the same questions they've been asked right. before. Yeah, God, that is the worst. That that kills me <laughs> when people do that. When when the podcast host just asks the same things they were asked on the other three interviews they did on the podcast book tour. It's so boring, man. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. And all of this stuff, you you know, with varying degrees of success, I try and do on the YC podcast. So, like another thing is, I introduce the person because I found that people are really bad at introducing themselves yeah. unless they're like an entertainer. And most people I interview are not entertainers, even if they're like fun and smart and whatever. You're like, all right, Ramon, what do you do? And he's like, uh, <laughs> I, uh. and you know, it's not a flaw. It's just like this weird, like most normal, not insane, vain people are very modest and they don't want to be like, all right, this is a sales pitch, but it's a sales pitch. And like, you want to be energetic. And so that's the thing I think a lot of people mess up on. So yeah, if you just like listen to the YC podcast, you can see like what I try and do. And again, it's always different degrees of success. So that would be a thing. I guess the other thing I would say is just like do a lot of research uh, yeah. to your point about previous podcast interviews. Yeah. I mean, what, what are the things that you've changed a lot since how many episodes have you guys done? It's like ton. Uh, it's all like probably 650 or something at this point. Oh my wow. God. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Oh man, put me on the spot. Uh, I would, <laughs> yeah, the preparation thing, the preparation thing is one thing that's eternal. Finding the right balance of like me talking and like letting the guest talk because sometimes people want to hear a conversation but other times people want to hear something that's academic and they just want to hear like just basically give me a listenable form of documentation about this technical topic welcome to hacker news well kind of yeah you that's actually that's funny because you actually you read hacker news and it's like every other article is something that's more narrative or more creative or more digestible and then then 50 percent of them are like here's documentation on something and like what's the right mix and it's so it totally mm, depends yeah. from show to show like i took my inspiration from software engineering radio which is a very academic very dry show but people listen to it because it's academic and dry and the hosts usually don't you know wha- try to wax poetic because it's not that kind of show and that's why people listen to it and that's what i started out doing but i don't know you know in this kind of sh- in this kind of episode i'm i want to have a more kind of conversational thing because also it's the mirror effect um, i think kara swisher talks about this where like you kind of want to like if you set the pace at a certain way the guests will follow you into that direction. And so sometimes you want to sit like, so like Craig, you know, I, I listen to your, your show all the time. So like I kind of know your conversational tempo and I'm just trying to adopt that myself because that puts <laughs> you in a, in a comfort zone. And then, you know, with other guests, you know, maybe they're a little more introverted or they're a little more silent and and taking a more conversational approach can pull them out of their shell because they will mirror you. So that mirror effect I found to be pretty interesting. This is one of those things where 
there's no right answer. It's really just about, at least for me, it's been about like taking the things that I really like and then thinking about where is there space in the podcast market that I can fill. So like the shows I like are, are like Rogan and I like them because first of all, they're, you know, they're usually entertaining. Uh, they're not always the same. So it's Rogan. It's not interviewing comedians all the time. And like that type of show yeah. is kind of tiring yeah. for me. But the, the, the angle that I'm trying to go for, at least with the YC podcast is like, there aren't that many podcasts about technology and technology basically touches everything yeah. at this point where you really figure out how someone thinks and that's the most interesting part about being like I used to live in New York and the most interesting part about being out here is just having like so many interactions with people that are building this stuff. And it's not so simple as like their little soundbite or their tweet or whatever. There's You don't leave a lot of room for nuance. And so the long form podcasts are what I was drawn to. And I was like, man, there aren't that many. Mm. So we could probably do that. And, and that's my advice to other people who are interested in doing their own podcast. Like, Think about the ones you want to make or like the ones you like and think about a space in the market and just go for it. Yeah. Find your core and build on top of it. I think like Farnam Street, for example, is a mm-hmm. is one that I really yes. like. That they found a really specific niche about mental models. And I think it's really super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also think about like, what's the point? Like Shane's got his whole blog and it's like private thing. And I, I've never even been on the private side of it. But if you look at his podcast, like he doesn't make that many. And they do really well yeah. because that's not like the core point. And I think a lot of people can burn themselves out by being like, oh, man, like, you know, software engineering daily. Like, that's the model of success. <laughs> you're like, dude, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. You got to choose your own choose your own trail. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. One last thing that just comes to mind. I know we're basically out of time, but I met this guy, Nick Kwa, who you may you may have read his some of his material or, or heard about him. He's Oh, he's a hot hot pod. Hot pod, yes. So he's a, basically a podcast critic. He's like the podcast critic. <laughs> but he said something that has just stuck with me, which is that he believes that people listen to podcasts to feel less alone. And he, he believes that the trend in podcast, basically like the growth in podcasting, it's not the serial effect. It's not like, oh, we have better Wi-Fi signal or anything like that. It's the fact that people are feeling increasingly lonely. And so they're listening to more podcasts and they want, and the reason that the two person audio format is so dominant because it makes you feel like you're in an intimate conversation because people are in fewer of those in real life. Do you think there's any credibility to that theory? I I think there's some, I mean, Mm. like it's, you know, man, think about it like a diet, right? You look around, you walk around the U.S. and you see all of these people. You're like, you're in this amazingly abundant society. And even if you aren't super wealthy, if you're just normal, if you're average, you can be a fit person here, like more than ever. And yet there are all these like overweight people that aren't taking care of themselves because they've, they've put like the short term, you know, mouth pleasure of just like the donut ahead of their long term health. And I think that's like inherently humans are going to look for like the easiest possible thing. And psychology is another area where we want to take the shortcuts. So yeah, I would agree with that in the sense that like, what if I just, instead of thinking about what my life is like or what I want to do in the future, or even just like, you know, calling up a friend and like saying like, Hey man, like, how's it going? What's up with you? (laughs) You're just like, why don't I just put on Rogan for three hours and kind of like pretend like I'm doing something. Yeah. It's a reflection on our societies 
how many times now you go out with your friends or, or families and then you, you see people in the restaurant that they are across from each other in the table and they pull up their phones. Yeah. They are both with their phone and it's like you are you are losing the human touch in in everyday life. So then some ways of getting, even if it's just a part of it, are really powerful. I think podcasts definitely get you there. That being said, there are a lot of times before I listen to podcasts where I was bored out of my <laughs> mind and I'm still bored all the time. Like I'll run out of podcasts that I want. Like I subscribe to like 20 yeah. and I'll just, you know, run out. And uh, it, one of the ones that I found really funny and interesting is Bill Burr's podcast. Have you listened to that one? Uh, no, I haven't actually. I heard him on Joe so, Rogan though. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm from Boston. So like I just listen to these guys and it's like being back home a little bit. And uh, Bill Burr started out only doing it on his phone so the quality was terrible <laughs> and bill burr doesn't interview anyone he just he like lies down on a couch and talks for an hour <laughs> and it's successful and so you're like i don't know <laughs> like some people want that too i like it it's fun i think the better episodes are when he um he does them with his wife uh nia hill and they do like reader q and or listener q a but yeah there are a million formats that haven't been explored that's yet, right so people aren't really trying yeah that's right Okay. I okay. We'll cl- yeah. We'll close on that. I mean, like yeah. There's like the two person interview format, but then you have like smash hits like Serial or Hardcore History or Bill Burr's monologue podcast. <laughs> yeah, audio is unexplored. We'll leave it there. Okay, guys. Well, again, Speechboard is a podcast transcription and editing tool. Check it out if you are a podcaster. And uh, I will be following the project closely. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. And Craig, I am a huge fan of the podcast. Thanks, man. Thank you, Jeff. Wow.